because while uh, NWA and Easy E and them preceded the Chronic, I think they still got a lot of pushback nationally. Like that's not really rap, but nothing but a G thing. When the Chronic came out, you always hear about how even New York couldn't deny it anymore. Like West Coast rap had arrived and was accepted, and to me. That just changed it for that entire. It put them relevant on the map. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's three brothers, no sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-hosts, Rozzy and Buff. Fellas, tell them what's on your minds. A lot. A whole lot. Okay. Man, so A much happened. Lot. Go for it. So much happened last week, bro. I couldn't even, like, keep up. Like, for instance, y'all know Kamala Harris was, like, our president for, like, two hours, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. First, first female. Yes. Yep. First woman to have presidential powers while Uncle Joe was, uh, you know, under getting his colonoscopy. I think I said that wrong, but he's getting his uh, butt checked. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it was like good stuff, bad stuff, man. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Zach Stacy video. Um, it's not much to say about that. That, that shit was terrible. Oh, horrible. yeah, 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 yeah. He's been arrested. Just, Wait, what happened? He's a former football player. He like, it's a video of him like beating his girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend. He threw it into the TV. I saw it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. yeah okay. I watched so, part of it. For me, I just... You it know wasn't what? much to say. It's like there's yeah, no it's much, yeah. And to me, it's not even much to see. Like I don't. It's I don't. It isn't. Oh, he better have really, really bad, yeah. or he just beat her kind of halfway. It is at this point. It's just like, dude, stop. It was. It was. It was one of the most disgusting things I've seen. Uh, Rittenhouse is free. He won. Uh, yeah, I mean, got that out the way. Uh, the baby had me all over social media for like the entire day uh, with his. Debauchery that he had going on, and then uh, my man Young Dolph, man, one of the few young rappers. Well, actually, he wasn't that young; he was thirty six, so he damn our age. But uh, one of the new school rappers, I guess you could say, that I actually like. I mean, he wasn't like this top lyricist, but he picked good beats. Uh, his flow was simple, but it was you know he was one of the guys that I requested on uh, on the fishing boat in Miami yeah. with, with Allison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw the post. So it was uh, on Ghetto Boys uh, Reloaded. They were interviewing Freddie Gibbs and he was just talking about and this has nothing to do with uh, Young Dolph, but he was just talking about as a rapper, he knows not to go in certain neighborhoods. He's like, I I, I got to move different. He's like, ain't no white dude ever stuck me up like that's That's not who's checking for me like that. You know, and we're not talking about the police and all that stuff, but it's just like. And I was having this conversation and I said that because I had this conversation with uh, Lenny actually earlier that day once we found out about Young Dolph. And I'm like, I'm not. I wasn't expecting it, but I'm not surprised because I feel like when you move in that lifestyle, move in that circle, even if you're kind of faking it. I did see that somebody, comment. I saw that comment. There's, yeah. there's somebody in real life who's taking what you're saying as real life and they either got beef with you they trying to prove something they want what you got like it's just i i don't it's almost like when a black person gets shot by a police we're not thinking like every day something about to happen but when it happens kind of like i'm not surprised yeah. so even with young Dolph, i was just i'm like oh shot in memphis 
Oh man, I ain't really surprised. Was I expecting? Nah. But it's, am I surprised? It's just it's sad that if you move in that circle, but that's just kind of the lifestyle and his thing. Uh, Freddie Gibbs, like I had to realize that because my goal is really my duties to my family. I'm just trying to get home to my family every day. So I just realized I gotta I can't be in certain environments. I can't be in certain things. Not blaming young golf. This is not a victim blaming segment. It's just like, man, it's just getting to the point where anytime you're in that lifestyle, in that genre of music, whatever the case may be, I'm not surprised when bad things happen because it's other people who can't separate the music from real life. And sometimes it's the entertainers that can't separate the music from real life. But, you know, it's it's sad to see that young brother go make some good music. It's never easy to hear another black man dying senselessly. But once again, not surprised. And it's not it's not just what you said too. for a lot of these artists uh, like a young Dolph, uh, even going back further than him, 50 Cent. They come from a particular lifestyle that and they really lived it. And even when they make it. You know, when you live that type of lifestyle, you have certain beefs. Yeah, the streets don't forget. The yeah, streets don't forget because you, you never up. get settled. So just because you make it, those beefs are not forgotten. And, and you make another good point. But sometimes I, I guess it, it's hard for these artists to stay out of those neighborhoods. Like he had just finished giving out turkeys and he allegedly was at that cookie store for his mom. And I, I'm assuming his mom still lives in Memphis. So mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, you don't. I, I hear what Freddie Gibbs is saying, but depending on who's still in those same neighborhoods, you, you got to go see your moms from time to time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I'm not blaming. It. What I'm saying is, it's just it's just not surprising. Imagine yeah. not being able to go back to Mobile for whatever reason. For sure. And it's and even like now, like I love my hometown. I know I can't move in the same way I did when I was 18, 19. I it's it's just it's it's not because I'm better than or I'm. It's just the reality of like. Man, I just can't afford to be in certain situations. And that sucks. That it, it, it sucks that you can't go back to your hometown, pick up cookies for your mom and not get shot to death. Not shot at. Mm-hmm. Shot yeah. to death. And so yeah. it's just it. it but it, once again, are any of you guys surprised? Like, are you surprised when you hear about it? Might It might be you were surprised it was young Dolph. But are you surprised that anytime you hear another rapper get shot and killed? No. And, you know, in uh-huh. our generation, you would think we had moved like after Pac and Biggie. The hope was everybody learned from that and it never happened again. And unfortunately, it continues to happen from uh, what was this triple X tentacion to uh, my man out West Coast. Uh, Nipsey Hustle. Yeah, so, you know, it's continuing to happen, man. Uh, the last thing on my mind, though, actually, I'm throwing it to Rozzy. And I don't know what you were going to talk about, but I want you to also talk about shopping style because it's coming up and I feel like we haven't talked about it enough. So just please let the listeners know exactly what's going on, what it's for and how they can participate. Oh, definitely, man. So um, shopping style is our first fundraising official fundraising effort for the Jenica Kimberly Mancarella Memorial Scholarship at the University of Alabama. So you guys know, thanks to all the listeners, the th- the brothers, SWAT, everybody, we get, came together. We endowed a scholarship. Um, it goes to a junior and, uh, and then it rolls over to their senior year in fashion and apparel and textile design. So basically think of Jenica uh, persona at University of Alabama. So black female, uh, you know, needing uh, assistance, uh, that type of thing. Very, very good cause. Uh, we endowed it. The scholarship or the endowment is up to about $60,000. 
right now in the balance. And so we want to just continue to grow that as much as possible because the more money's in the endowment fund, the more money goes in the scholarship every year. Um, so shopping style is going to be an event. We're doing a mixer and a virtual silent auction. So if you're in Birmingham area, please go to the shopping style. You can go to the Jenica Kimberly website. I know we posted it. You can go to our site. It's an event hosted by us as well as three brothers. No sense. Uh, you can go to our site, look at our events. Uh, and, uh, so if you're not in Birmingham, cop a virtual ticket. We have entertainment, uh, that's going to be happening all about two hours on December 12th, Sunday afternoon, kick back, watch, uh, DJ Lenny's going to be DJing. Uh, we got a, a awesome host that we're kind of surprising holding back. Um, but everybody's going to uh, love her or him. Um, I don't want to get tip my hand on that, but, uh, the host is awesome. Uh, I can promise you that, uh, it's going to be a great time. The things that we're auctioning off, we've got handbags, we've got gift cards, we've got trips, we've got all kind of stuff that we're auctioning off. Uh, and you can just bid from your phone uh, while you're watching. And if you're in Birmingham area, come out. It's at the Wine Loft. Uh, it's going to be a great time, you know, great environment, great ambiance. Uh, and just have a good time with us and try to raise some money so we can give out these scholarships. So appreciate that, Buff. Appreciate the plug. But again, go to threebrothersnosense.com, Jenica Kimberly. Uh, you can go to our uh, Facebook page as well uh, there. Click on the event. The Eventbrite link's there so that you can buy tickets. Uh, and worst case scenario, it has a gifting link that you can give directly to the scholarship if you just don't want to go through the rigmarole of doing the uh, the event. So either way is fine with us. Uh, what did they say on uh, uh, Coming to America? They said, we, we appreciate the money that jingles, but we want the money that folds. So uh, please give, give and give graciously. For the people... Because I just don't know if everybody knows how silent auctions work. So let's say I bid on something and I don't get it. Uh, and I'm not able to win any bids that weekend. Is there a way still to contribute to the Jimper, 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 Jenica Kimberly uh, Foundation? Yeah. So there's a couple different things um, that you can do when you go to the site. The, the silent auction site, there's actually a donate button there. So you can actually just click that and donate if you'd like to. Um, there's also going to be raffles. We've got uh, a couple things that we're raffling uh, with the University of Alabama that's affiliated with them. That's all I'm going to say on that until we officially announce. But um, it's pretty, pretty cool. I think the raffle is going to be a really good thing. So you can buy a raffle ticket as well as bid on the auction items or you could just donate. So either three uh, works. Uh, so just uh, go to the site. You'll get that link once you get your virtual ticket or your in-person ticket. But the most important thing is to get a virtual ticket or I mean, get a ticket. Get a ticket. First. Yes. Get a ticket. First, first things first, get a ticket. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All righty. Um, continue, sir. All right. All right. So X-Men 97. I don't know if you guys have heard, but I am a huge, huge, huge X-Men animated series fan from back in the 90s. Have you went back uh, and watched it lately? Uh, a couple years ago, I did. It, it, it doesn't hold up very well. Um, <laughs> Does it? I, it is I very so nostalgic. Uh, it, it's probably the best way to put it. Um, but what they're doing is they're rebooting it and it's going to be a continuation. So not an actual reboot. Uh, it's basically from the last season. They're just going to start a new season, but it's going to be updated animation. Hopefully it'll be a, a better, better, more relevant quality, quality, quality. But, but I think it will be. I mean, you got to think Marvel's been doing an awesome job with all of that. Um, they've come a long way. So I'm really excited about that just because the X-Men is starting to kind of become more prominent with uh, the Marvel franchise and everything. Uh, so 
that's going to be awesome. But now that my excitement's gone, I got to mention uh, the movie Passing. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Netflix. I haven't seen um, it, it is a movie about passing. passing. Uh, if you guys don't know what passing is, uh, passing is where you are kind of living a secret life and you're passing for either a race uh, or if you're passing to be straight when you're gay, anything like that, like in the closet is considered passing uh, if you really kind of think about it. And so um, it deals with that. I will say this. It is slow, semi-boring, but the directing, the cinematography of it, the artistry of it is awesome. So I feel like it's one of those things that they may win awards. You're going to have people like talking about it in theater classes and at the university level and directing classes and things like that. They'll talk about it, but it is a slog to get through. So just kind of warning you guys to that. Um, that's the best kind of review I could give it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a hard watch, but you know, it, it's, it does get the wheels turning and everything, but it is beautifully shot. I can say that part. That's all I got right now, man. I, I will, I'll save um, my comments for the questions. If we get around to them on some of the stuff that you, you brought up. Buff. Okay. Um, a few things I meant to bring this up on our last show. <sighs> man, the Republicans never cease to amaze me. The things they just want to go after. So why buff boy Senator Ted Cruz got buff beef with Big Bird? Because <laughs> they made the they put the first Asian American. No no um, no 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 no. Oh, he ain't mad about the Asian American puppet. Muppet. Maybe that too. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, okay. But um, about two weeks ago, there was a episode where Big Bird got vaccinated, and they they are a pissed. Because it's a children's show and you're influencing them and telling them they need to get vaccinated and all this stuff. And it's just infringing on their rights. It's just, yeah, the Republicans are pissed, like really pissed to the point they were they were coming at the Big Bird on Twitter and everything. So it's so funny to me that all of a sudden now they want to die on the vaccination sword when like, I don't know, blue cards haven't been a thing in this country since like the 30s. Like. We, we've been requiring vaccinations for our children for the longest. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, we, we shouldn't be vaccinated. Uh, so I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And I really I really think they actually had a, a vaccination special around the time when we were vaccinated for like s- smallpox and all kind of other stuff. Yeah, they had they've been specials. talking about vaccines uh, for years, even going back to the 70s. So but Big Bird just made a tweet. I got the COVID-19 vaccine today. My wing is feeling a little sore, but I'll give my body an extra protective boost that keeps me and others healthy. But the Republicans are saying that um, it's propaganda for five-year-olds. This this what Cruz tweeted. And Fox News is propaganda for 40-year-olds. So oh, let's... Brain, wait, speaking of Fox News, brainwashing children who are not at risk from COVID. Twisted. Lisa Booth of Fox News. Rob, Robbie Starbuck, a Republican running for Congress in Tennessee. Joked about Big Bird's Big Bird dying from the shot, and Sep, he said seven days later, Big Bird blood caught. Bird is served. They gonna get they enough died. of talking about trying to kill people. Um, didn't didn't one of the uh, Republican Congress people uh, get censured for that? Only, so, the, only the twenty fourth time in the history of the U.S. House of Representatives lost all uh, all appointments. Right, they can't be on any um, panels or anything like that or committees. 
Well, I think it was two votes. They voted to censure him and then they voted to take him off the committee. So he could have been censured and still been on a committee, but they voted to take that from him. Take him off committee too? Yeah. Good. Explain that for the people, Buff. Explain censured. Censured. It's, to me, it's not even really that bigger deal. It's no, it never is, right? Yeah, it's no real... It's just, but it's, it's like... It should be a big deal, but in today's political climate, it, it doesn't really mean much. I mean, he still can vote. He still is a representative. I mean, he was he was popping off about the, the Rittenhouse um, verdict, and he'd just been censured, like, the day before or a few hours earlier, so it's it's no big deal. Now, no taking him, now, taking him off the committees, now that, that matters. Mm-hmm. So now, do the Republicans lose that vote in that committee, or can they replace him? See that—that's that. I'm not sure. I don't know if they replace him or if they just lose that vote. Um, so I'm, that that I'm not sure. I, I'm thinking they lose a vote, and of course they are vowing retaliation if they take the House back. They say there's going to be some uh, Democratic members that are snatched off committees. Well. I, I, in keeping with that theme, I don't want to want to get into the questions yet, but I kind of wanted to start a little conversation. So uh, speaking of the vaccination, I know uh, Ali and Sophie got vaccinated, what, about a week ago? Yep. And yep. was is Jazz vac- vaccinated yet, Buff? Mm-hmm. And so Sky's going to get hers on, uh, t- going to get hers tomorrow. So, and Z and I are getting our boosters tomorrow as well. So. Was it an easy decision to get the kids vaccinated? Not not for us. It wasn't easy, but, um, you know, ultimately, once our county made the decision that the kids were going to be going in person full time, we wanted her to be protected. And so mm-hmm. that's why we went along with it. Yeah. What about you, Roger? Yeah, it was pretty easy for, for me for two reasons. One is their um, pediatrician actually had her children in the trials at you they had a they had a trial at uab so um i was able to one stay updated on the trial that was happening pediatrician was kind of telling me what was going on and everything like that so talking with her i had a friend that actually was helping advise the trial and so again having inside knowledge on what's going on with the trial and everything like that um you know it it's the the vaccine has been approved for over a year now and they've been doing the research or whatever for the children for that entire time. And then going past that to the year uh, is why they gave the 12 year olds. And then they went down to, you know, um, I think it's three or four years old now or something like that. So it's, it's one of those things. And when you look at the science of it all, it's the same vaccine. Um, What the, what they were doing for the trials for the children were really just trying to make sure the dosages were right. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you know, they're not going to give a, a we're not giving a child an 800 milligram Tylenol, right? We're going to yeah. bring that milligram uh, dosage down for the child body size and everything like that. Same reason you do that. So they were trying to get the dosages right. And so that's why 12 and over has a different dose than, you know, um, three to 12 year olds. Yeah. So once they got the dosages right and they felt like they were comfortable with what that was, that's all I was waiting for. For it. I mean, I made the decision that the vaccine was good when I when I did it. And so now once they uh, figured out what the dosage was, it, it was no problem to give the kids the actual vaccine. So okay. and I hear there's some misinformation out there about people saying it's a different vaccine or whatever. It's not. So just, you know, dispel that rumor. Uh, really, it is. It's just a, um, a, a smaller dosage. Yeah, I think which for- means the kids probably will have to get boosters, uh, you know, same way they do with a lot of vaccines they have, uh, in, you know, before now. I think for a lot of people who were 
maybe not as confident as uh, you were rising about the vaccine. I think uh, even myself, to a certain extent, is when it came to Z and I, you know, we were confident enough for ourselves and also to say, hey, if there's any potential side effects like, you know, sterility or something like that, like we can deal with those things. You know, like it's, you know, we're, we're adults. We've lived a life. But it's just that I think for some people that I've talked to is. If there are potential side effects, long term side effects that we find out later. And the kids have to deal with those things like. Let's say let's go with that. Let's say all of a sudden we find out that the vaccine makes them sterile. Man, I gave my child something that, you know, yeah, I saved their lives, you know, potentially save their lives. But it's something like, man, uh, for me, I can deal with it. For them, it's the the after effects that have people scared. So, I mean, I was just saying uh, not trying to put any don't go on uh, record saying that the three brothers said that the vaccine is going to make you sterile or whatever the case may be. It was just in some conversations I've had, I've heard people. Those are their biggest concerns when it comes to kids, the long term effect of kids. Versus the potential effects on them that they are willing to deal with because, you know, they're still young. You know, when you're making decisions for your and I guess that's part of parenting. Anytime you make make a decision for your child, it's what are the potential long term effects on this? You, you always hope that you're doing the rest the best thing. Y'all so. think about potential long term effects. Think about potential long term effects of that McDonald's. You let them eat every other day and stuff like that. That's all the, I'm the McRib. That McRib, yo. I can't get my kids McRibs. That's that. That's an adult decision. No, that's, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it should be up there with uh, cigarettes and um, alcohol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A warning label. All righty, all right. So, um, is Sophie here today? She is not. Okay. Um, okay. Ali had his birthday party yesterday. Shout out to everybody that showed up for the birthday party. He had an awesome time. Um, really, really felt special. Um, so I appreciate everybody, uh, the gifts, everybody who sent gifts and, and the folks that couldn't be there, uh, still sent gifts. And so he appreciates all that. Thank everybody for that. Um, Tell yeah, I, want a, they, I, want a, I want a personal phone call. I, I got you. I got you. Um, as soon as they get back from wherever they're at, I, um, they, they left with their cousins after the party and I haven't seen them since. So, and they're out through Thanksgiving. So I have no idea when the next time I'm going to see them actually. Isn't that great? I know, I know. It's good. I like it. But uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find me a good joke. I think I know one that I... Porsche is going to be disappointed. <laughs> you say Porsche or are you pretty sure? Yeah, Porsche. She's going to be disappointed. That he's giving another joke? Yes. Why? Because she requested that you just stop joking. Yeah. Yeah. But bring, my jokes are good, though. Hashtag bring back Sophie. Yeah, that was, that was, it was a whole movement. I mean, we've had enough disappointment this week. Why not? <laughs> yes, this is true. Maybe she give you. Maybe she give you a best Sophie impersonation to give the give the joke. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> no, I really don't have one. Um, I, I I don't. I'll I'll sneak one in there at some point throughout the thing. I don't have any that just like is ready for like a super setup like this. Okay. So we'll we'll get one in there at some point. We'll just we'll just okay. skip the jokes right now. All right. Well, in that case, yeah, I'll jump in first. Um, you guys, Buff, you you mentioned the whole Rittenhouse trial uh, and the results there. And I've actually talked to some people that, while not surprised, actually agreed with the the, the findings. And so I did want to 
kind of talk through the trial, the when results. You say, when you say people, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, but yes, I've I've seen people agree with the the results and and everything. So I, I wanted you guys' thoughts on it. Um, of course, you weren't. We weren't surprised, but just thoughts on the trial, whether it was fair, not some points that like stuck out to you one way or the other, good or bad. Uh, and then your reaction to the, um, the results of the trial. I think we saw things that we're not used to seeing in a, um, a court trial, uh, mainly from the behavior of the judge. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, just how he was able to, I believe, select his jury by pulling names out of, a uh, the tumbler. Yeah. Out of the tumbler. So, Things like that were kind of um, odd to to witness. Uh, it seemed like, you know, just everything was against the prosecution from the start. And then I saw a lot of people say, you know, once they dropped the uh, once the judge made them drop the weapon, the weapon charge. Yes, that they knew it was over. So, um, no, I'm not surprised by the verdict. I mean, as black people in general, we're used to really expecting the worst when it comes to these type of things. Uh, so not not surprised, but a little disappointed. I will say this, though, because um, you had a lot of Republican Congress people that were offering Rittenhouse uh, intern jobs at the Capitol. I think Donald Trump Jr., he deleted the post eventually, but he was like, we can send him a, a free AR-15, things like that. And while you may disagree with the verdict and the lawyer that got him off, I thought it was kind of, I don't know, and maybe I'm just being naive, but I thought it was kind of stand up of the lawyer to to reject that. And not only reject it, but like forcefully reject. He pretty much called them clowns. He was like, they're raising money off a tragedy. They're raising money off the fact that he's like, no matter how you look at it, two people lost their lives. And while we think, you know, our client deserved to be exonerated, the end of the day, it's a tragedy. And they're trying to raise money off this kid and and this tragedy that he was a part of and it's sickening. And I, you know, you know, most people don't like lawyers in the first place. So to hear one kind of like, I don't know, stand for something that was kind of new to me. But other than that, no surprises. And I mean, we even got one friend that said, hey, no white people problems anyway. So, <laughs> so. Uh. <laughs> so. Buff, you said a lot. And I mean, so I'm not going to go back over that. Um, but the most surprising thing to me, and I guess I'll take a different stance, is who the victims were. Right. This is not what we're used to. We're not used to this white on white crime. They they need to get a handle on it, Wisconsin. Y'all need to get a handle on your white on white crime. And the fact that they were so willing to. I think the it, the I think this was bigger than we want to give credit to. I think it was protecting or stopping any precedents from being set. So I was talking about precedents. So if it was like a, a line to saying like, "Hey, once you become a nigger lover, you're with them," because this they were. You got to think why they were there like this wasn't like some just random trump rally if he would have shot somebody at a trump rally this would be completely different 
Proud Boys rally. Oh, same thing. Different. I feel like it would have been a different outcome. Be because what they were supporting and why they were there, it became these people became nothing better than niggers. And I think they wanted to make a, a, a statement on we're not standing for that because nothing about what he did was just I can't even say right. It was just it was just messed up. He shouldn't even been there. Like there was so many things that were just wrong with the trial. Um, his his tears, his crying was just that was just his mom. Is just, I'm 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 frustrated. Go, Rizzy. I'm done with this. I do. Oh, before Rizzy jump in, I did want to uh, jump in on one thing you mentioned. Uh, had he shown up at a Proud Boys rally or something like that, I'll say this: what that verdict seemingly told me, at least, was that if black people were as passionate about the U.S. Capitol as he was about defending property that wasn't even his in a whole different state. To me, that verdict is telling me that black people could have showed up with MAC-10s, 9mm, and and 12-gauges and started shooting the protesters. Like, that's that's what that verdict told me, that, you know, if if you see something like that going on, you can get an attaboy from the police, walk right past them, with the weapon in plain sight. And if someone sees you as a threat and tries to disarm you of that weapon, you can shoot them and say, oh, what else? I was, that was self-defense. That's pretty well, much what that's not, said. Well, I'm hoping that's not what you got because it's not, that's not going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> because... Well, that's what the verdict of, said, right? That was the verdict said. No, is <laughs> if you're white... Oh, that's the part. That, okay. Yeah, okay. you left that out. Gotcha. I'll gotcha. put it in there. Okay. I, you know, it that it was just to me. Let's not get it. But people don't see color. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rizzy, go. <laughs> Justice is so, blind, Ferg. Exactly, exactly. If you don't see color, then you can't see my suffering because of it. I'm gonna take probably the road less traveled on my response to the decision. I actually think the jury made the right call based on the evidence that was allowed that was presented that they could consider they made the right call so they were backed into a corner it was already set up it it, it was it was but when you talk about it from a purely legal standpoint because there was no way for the prosecution to prove provocation then Kyle can use that self-defense because what the the first guy that he shot I can't remember his name Rosenthal or what Rosenbloom or whatever his name is um came at him they always start all of the information from him charging Rittenhouse and so from that standpoint you don't show provocation you don't show why he did that and nobody could prove that so he, the the prosecution tried very very hard to say it's you know he was pointing the weapon at people or whatever and that's what caused uh old buddy to like start rushing him to like buff say try to get that weapon or disarm him or whatever 
But because that can't be proven, because you don't have video of it, because you don't have eyewitnesses, you know, testifying to that fact, um, then there's no proof of provocation. Him coming, it it was stupid. He shouldn't have done it. If he was black, he would have been shot by the police. If he was black, he would have never got rid of it. The whole social commentary on that, I feel you 100%. But the facts of the case and how the case went, it was the right decision, truthfully, uh, from that. And uh, even the gun charge, everybody's you know stuck on the gun charge and everything. The, that loophole was there in Wisconsin law, hands down, based on the length of the barrel. The length of the barrel was too long. It was considered a hunting rifle. And so at that point, he can carry it. So they had to throw out the gun charge based on that. And so, again, it's one of those things that looking at the law, that's what they had to do. That's why the prosecution didn't uh, object when they said they were going to dismiss it. So that's what's so messed up about it. So going back to what Byron was saying. Let's say we studied somebody studied this case to the T. It's like, okay. I'm going to go to Wisconsin. I'm going to have a barrel with a, I'm going to have an AR with a barrel length X that meets right. this. Over 22 this. inches, I think is what it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do everything he did. I'm going to wave the weapons around. And if anybody comes at me in a threatful, what I perceive to be a threatful manner, I can shoot them. Like you basically gave like right, Byron's, I'm, I'm, I'll take that back, Byron. You just gave, maybe not black people, but you gave anybody a recipe for disaster. This is this is should be on Netflix. This is how to get away with murder, and th- and that's what makes the verdict so Definitely. dangerous to me. The dangerous. Yes, I, I didn't. When you said but, that, because but is it is it much different than the Zimmerman trial? Because Zimmerman used used the exact same defense. Exactly. That's that's why I think uh, the whole stand your ground law. What I would like to see it interpreted as is that if you. Or, you know, if you have access to a weapon, you don't have to retreat. You know what I mean? But it needs to be built in that law if they're going to have that law that you also can't go and start shit. And then once you get in trouble, use your equalizer. Okay, because the fact of the matter is Zimmerman went to Trayvon. You know what I mean? And it was like another another case going on at the same time with a black woman. I think she shot her gun in the air and she did time. So it's it's just a lot of craziness. It seems like the law always finds a way to be at our disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it works. It's how it's set up. But yeah, you're right, Rosie. That the Zimmerman is like parallel to this. Yeah. And that and that's that's so sickening to me and disheartening is because again, going back to that folks don't see color, right? Post-racial society. Folks not getting our frustration in all of this is that we know or even if even if it's not true, we feel that if it was somebody of color, the trial would have went differently. And the thing about it is we don't feel that we know that. Right. Right. That's what I was going to say. The the you look at cases in the past, we have the statistical data to say that it would have gone differently. And. So that's where the frustration comes in with it. And so our allies out there just understand that that frustration doesn't come from us just wanting this kid to go to jail or whatever. It's the equity of it all is what we want. And so we know that 
if it had been a black uh, kid on that trial or on that stand, then one, he wouldn't have been treated like a kid from the get go, especially at 17. There would have been no thought of, of calling him a kid or whatever. Um, he wouldn't have got that benefit of guilty or innocent until proven guilty. He wouldn't have got bail more than likely. He would have still been in jail until the trial. So all those little things, it's what frustrates us so badly about it because it, it's, it's, we knew the we knew the outcome when we saw what was happening. We saw when we saw who was he associated with and the the event that he had come to supposedly defend from. We knew what was going to happen, bro. For seventeen days straight, Fox News ran this little video of one Black Panther member at a voting poll in Philadelphia. I guess, I don't know if he was just telling people who they should vote for or whatever. It was one Black Panther member. And they were categorizing that as, you know, being intimidating and all that stuff. And the video, like, literally showed most of the people just walking right by him, like, and whatever, I'm going to vote how I want to. You know, that was a bigger threat to them than this dude with an AK-47 or AR-15, whatever he had, in the middle of a riot and protest going on. That is past, past curfew. There's so many things wrong. That's, Let's that's, go. That's re- remarkable. But me. I mean, even even to you, because for me, it's never really about the trial. It's everything surrounding it. Like you said, what baby Trump did, you know, like with all these other people are there. There's GoFundMe. He's going to be on some. He's going to be on Fox News. He's going to be on some panel. He's going to get some like it's. It's not the trial itself. We expect. But law and order to law and order. We expect our judicial system to do what it is. Lawyers are going to do what they're told. That's that's their job, right? It's not senators' jobs to offer this guy a internship. Like mm-hmm. you could just shut the fuck up and be okay. That's my whole thing. It's like those are the things that bother me about it. It's it's the in your face. Oh, man. I'm done. I'm sorry. Continue. You, no, we can move on, man. Because I, I, you, you can see, see the frustration in everybody's voice, and and I just, I just really I, did. I, one, I wanted to get that opinion out because I know I had an unpopular opinion. I don't think it, I don't, it, so. I don't, I don't even think it's an unpopular opinion. I will, it may be unpopular, mm-hmm. but I think what you said is fact, Rosie. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, it's facts. And but I think that's part of the reason we we accept it. Like yeah. it was just not, well, we got no, yeah. but we already kind of knew. It was like there's. They make it hard to prove anything else. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that you actually mentioned that. Um, I'm going to take a completely different route. Today is Sunday. For the listeners that don't know, we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, so I want to go to church for a moment. And take me to church. <laughs> oh. And uh, <laughs> ask you best the best church song, the Silver and Gold, by the way. I want to uh, ask you two brothers, uh, what is your favorite Bible story? And give me an example of that story happening in modern day. Give me a second <laughs> to ponder over that one, young sir. Yeah. Okay. Who who got who got um, trapped in the well? Jonah. Oh, um, Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I wanted to say Noah. So. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, Noah dealt with water, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah, you. Yeah. I got you. So, okay. But I know it's, uh, Jonah. They rhyme, and then yeah. so, but Noah was jumping out, but. Um, <laughs> But no, Jonah uh, and the whale is probably 
Um, what about you favorite stories? Know, you didn't even know who it was. How's your favorite Bible study, bro? <laughs> he just got the name. I, I, I know up, the story, bro. Yeah, bro. I got yeah. the names mixed up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Like <laughs> I know the story, um, but I, for me, that story really talks to having faith and being able to like continue on with whatever your purpose is, no matter what the adversity is, right? And, mm. and making sure that you, you know you can. Be patient with God on that. And so with that, it's, you guys know, like we talk about our deployments and we talk about all of that and the, the things that were happening and everything like that and and feeling like you're disconnected from the world and trying to deal with your own thing, but at the same time, worrying about what's happening in the world, worrying about what's happening, you know, with everybody else. Uh, and and figuring out if you have a purpose and and why are you doing it and everything and why you go through it and then when you come home that thought of was it worth it did was my sacrifice worth it did it make a difference and everything like that so I I think you know you'll you'll hear preachers all the time talk about you know oh you got a everybody's got a Jonah story or whatever or or you know that type of thing and I I, I think that's where really what it kind of brings to me is like my deployments really were my kind of will that brought me away from the world, made me have to rethink. And, and it also gave me, it gave me a chance to re- reflect and give me clarity. So it, it's, it's weird. I, I really kind of think through it now is I had my separation prior to divorce, but we were separated about to divorce when I went to Afghanistan. And so it was a perfect time to step away from life and society and the world and everything like that. And then I think through my Iraq, I had just broken over Victoria. So again, it was a great time to step away and like concentrate on myself, get myself together and come back stronger uh, with a a new sense of purpose and a new sense of uh, where I wanted to go in my life. So um, they happened at the perfect times in my life. And at the same time, they were really big, you know, obstacles and impediments that I needed to get over. So that's kind of my, my I, I guess, reference to the story. Well, it's funny you say that. So I want you to go listen to one of the most recent episodes of the Bruzz Bookshelf. Shout out to Lenny. Uh, and he actually talked about. Great episode, by the way. I like that. Episode. Jonah Noel and uh, and somehow he looped. Tupac into it. Uh, <laughs> so he has a different interpretation of that. And I kind of saw where he was going. I'm just going back through all my uh, Bible stories. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Jonathan and David. No, <laughs> I thought you were going to go there, sir. Um, give me a sec, Buff. I, my, my, I'm overthinking it. All right. Why do you think I'll... Uh... I'll jump in on that. And it is, uh, it actually involves uh, King David and uh, the whole Bathsheba thing. Yeah. And you know me. That was, that was fucked up. <laughs> I, I always, always look for the funny. So whenever I read that story or the pastor preaches that story, I modernize it. So, you know, David is like more poetic in the Bible when he sees Bathsheba. But in the modern world, I picture him like grabbing this junk like, who is that? God. <laughs> and then like his man's like, man, she married though. Say word? 
Oh, Word. I know. I know what I do about that. <laughs> hey, man, I need you to go to war. Bathsheba, come on over here. I mean, like, he was just so taken by this beautiful woman that he did a very, very despicable thing. And I just, while I love that part of the story, I also love how uh, I believe it's his friend who finally kind of like, you know, tells him about himself at the end. Like, uh, he's giving him like this scenario and David is like, who did something like that? Point him out. And I, and I have murk right now. He didn't say that in the Bible. That, that's in the King James Version. And, and his <laughs> man was like, I'm talking about you, loser. And it's like, David's like, damn, that is right. So that that story is, is, is great to me. And if you've ever watched any episode nearly of uh, Fatal Attraction on TV One, I always have to say not the movie, but the one that the series that's on TV One is full of. King David, Bathsheba type stories where, you know, someone gets involved with somebody that's already taken or married and they usually together plot to kill the husband or sometimes he just does it on his own or whatever like that. So it's we have countless stories of that going on. And it's something that will always go on because, you know, when it comes to sex and love, people will make bad decisions and selfish decisions when it comes to that. So it's just, it's just a great story to me because it plays out nearly every day. Now we haven't had, I don't think we haven't had a president because that's pretty much what would be the equivalent of King David. Are you thinking about JFK, Rosie? Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because we might not have had a president did, did it, Yeah, but I, I'm going to put my hypothetical hat on, but I'm retired. So I can say it. I know commanders. Uh Oh, or or have heard stories, I'm gonna put it like that, okay. of commanders cheating with one of their soldiers or subordinates' wives and putting their soldier on a deployment list. Mm. That has happened in the military. And so that person goes to war and then they end up like with that commander or that executive officer or whatever, uh, getting caught cheating with the wife while the person is deployed. So that has happened. So in 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 like current day, that happens all the time. Actually, we we saw a similar story that. like that on the Sopranos. Uh, for you Soprano fans, when Tony sends Christopher Moltisanti to North Carolina to pick up some cigarettes, and him and uh, Chris's fiance wind up being together and kissing and nearly well, they were gonna have sex, but they wind up getting in a car accident. So Chris doesn't get killed, but that's still like sending him away while you play with his lady. So like even in like modern television, we, we've seen it kind of play out a little bit. But it's romanticized because it's the Bible. I guess I'll go with this one. So Cain and Abel, the first martyr in the Bible. Need I say more? You know, it's all the time. But it's all it's a lot about jealousy and um, not understanding your blessing. You know, so Cain killed Abel, first murder in the Bible. Um but I think the biggest story for me is there was a one of my favorite books, Ishmael, mm. and how they they symbolize Cain and Abel are symbolized as uh, countries or or you know yeah. it's like the givers and takers. Mm-hmm. So Cain was like a herder, or whatever the case may. Abel was a farmer, and how throughout time, you know as the westward expansion happened, 
the people who needed more land for their like their grazing cattle and stuff like that would go kill uh take Native over Americans, the, take over the country, the people who who lived yeah, with so the land. Yeah. So I don't want to get into it too deep because that's a whole other conversation. Great book, Ishmael. But Cain and Abel is one of my favorite ones. You know, Cain got jealous because he missed his blessing and all that stuff. So and then you go into the Cainites and there's so many spin-offs with that and uh, why black people are black and all uh, you know, it's 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 that story has so many spinoffs and deep uh, discussions that go into it that I've found myself a part of for years. So, and, and yeah, when you get a black Israelite on the on the show, <laughs> and then you get or a- the Canaanites, <laughs> or you know uh, what is it the three percenters, five percenters, five percenters. I'm thinking three yeah. percent the the show on Netflix. Yeah, uh, yeah. the five percenters. Yeah, so, what up, God? Oh, but nah, bro. I ain't playing with them, bro. <laughs> I ain't playing with them. Nah, you know, watch your woo, man. Uh, yeah, peace, God. Peace, yeah. God. Like, what's what's today's math? Yeah, what's mathematics. the mathematics? <laughs> Byron, I wish I would have went before you because you made your stuff so much more. <laughs> but, but I think it's in life, just, you know, just having siblings and stuff. There's always that competition and people not accepting that and understanding that their blessings are their blessings and that they're just different, you know, and sometimes parents have to do for others that they, you know, everybody can't be treated equally. Uh, unfortunately, in a family, you, you treat them as they need to be. And a lot of times there's spite and jealousy mm-hmm. and just inner turmoil within families. And I see it all the time. And Cain and Abel, that that recipe is used for quite a few, I guess you'd call hood movies or whatever, like oh, yeah. where, where like New Jack City. We saw it in The Wire, Scarface, where the two they're either 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 they're blood the brother, brothers, brothers, yeah, brothers or, or like really, brothers. yeah, and they wind up killing one another. Yeah, yeah. that is a storyline that'll never get old. Right. Yep. So appreciate y'all indulging me. All right, mine's gonna be a little lighter today. Um, so entertain me for a sec. Let's start off with this. Let's name the regions of hip hop. So we got like we got the Dirty South, we got the West Coast, East Coast. Yeah, we got Midwest. Mid- Midwest. So I mean, that's that's really your your but big ones. You- New York, New York may consider themselves their own thing outside of East Coast rap. Because you got your Virginia area. We got Dirty South, but then you have like, would you consider like Miami the same as that Miami type music? They've always been a dip, even though they're down South, they've been different from the rest so of like, Southern so music. Like, so let's call it Miami bass music. Like, yeah. So, so yeah, the, it, yeah. Same way I say like New York kind of feels like they're different than East Coast rap. Um, it's kind of that same thing. I think Miami feels they're different than Southern rap. So let me ask my question and then you you can let me know if we're going to separate them. So I was listening to Outcast the other day and it just made me realize like, man, I remember when, like I was just so stuck on like this Dirty South type music and all that stuff. And then I'm like, but I remember when I was stuck on the West Coast music and then, you know, East Coast. So nostalgia time. Name the first song that you feel like changed the game for each one of those genres or each one of those regions for you personally. It was like, when you heard this, like, 
dude. This is this is the West Coast, nothing but a G thing. Midwest, uh, wow. Oh, not because while uh, NWA and Easy E and them preceded the Chronic, I think they still got a lot of pushback nationally. Like that's not really rap, but nothing but a G thing. When the Chronic came out, you always hear about how even New York couldn't deny it anymore. Like West Coast rap had arrived and was accepted. And to me, that just changed it for that entire, it put them relevant on the map. Even though, you know, like I say, NWA was out before that. I think the chronic is what made the nation start accepting West Coast rap. Uh, Midwest, I could be wrong on this, but I just feel like when Nelly came out, who's from St. Louis, and I'm not even a Nelly fan, but when he came out, it really blew up for the Midwest. And I know Eminem came out a little bit before he did, but Eminem, he wasn't regional to me. Like people, he was he was a worldwide global star. So when you thought Eminem, yeah. you didn't you didn't even associate him with Midwest. Exactly. Uh, you exactly. associated, yeah. He, he just was like, oh, he's yeah. rap. So like, <laughs> like so to me, he didn't do a lot for the Midwest. You know what I mean? Like Nelly did. I never thought about Eminem being Midwest until like right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, I just, right now. <laughs> and and he says he's from Detroit all the time, but still he's such a global star. Yeah. That's not what you think about. Uh East Coast, man, is it dare I say Run DMC? I know they were preceded, but again, when Run DMC came out and then they collaborated with who was it, Aerosmith? Aerosmith, yeah. It's like once again, just like with West Coast, music. that changes for you. That changes for you personally. Not well, not but for me personally. And on top of that, like not just the group, but name the song. Like what oh, song? Me personally, I bad. I messed yeah. up the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, messed yeah. up the question. Okay. So you said so. So are we going? We, we still got are you still with nothing but a G thing. I think nothing but G things. Yeah, nothing but a G thing. I stick with that. I still remember being at Phillips. Like one of like the first month of school and Lorenzo talking about it and just the video and like, man, seeing cars with hydraulics and everything, like everything about nothing but a G thing and that entire album. That's that's the one that's when you could say my love for hip hop really began. Like I had listened to America's Most Wanted Ice Cube and a lot of the rap before that. But the chronic is when I was like, OK, this is my genre right here. Uh, Midwest, I can't really say because like I was on Eminem, but like you say, Ferg, I didn't look at him as Midwest and I wasn't a Nelly fan. So I don't really have a Midwest connection. Northeast for me. Do or die. Do or die. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a real good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Diamonds of Against That Wood, something like so, that. Oh, so wait, that's UK. UK I was going to say, whoa, mind. whoa, that's UGK. <laughs> so, so real quick, real quick. So you're about to go Northeast. Are we... So with the question of me, what it is? So are we doing East Coast or are we doing Northeast? Like, is it, are you gonna well, break East, that up? East Coast, same. I okay, consider okay, them okay. the same. Yeah, okay. I was, like, for I, me, that's why. I, listen, I was anti East Coast. By the way, I'm gonna say it. I was down until, south to the heart. I was anti East Coast because I hated all the love they got, and the South was just getting shit on for a time. And I found a lot of their music boring because for me, I couldn't relate to it. Like most of their videos. You look at uh who was it, Smith and Wesson, uh, 
a lot of the some of the earlier. I know you love Wu Tang, Rozzy, but some of the early kind of. stuff where they're like in the snow and they all bundled up, wrapping around one of those barrels with fire in it. I'm like, I can't relate to that. It's hot down here. <laughs> right. I need to see candy painted cars on rims. So I was very anti East Coast until Jay Z's verse on Jermaine Dupri's "Money Ain't a Thing," and when he said, uh, "She said my," she said she liked my necklace, so she started relaxing. That's what the f- call a chain reaction. I was like, "Yo, that's okay. This mother is dope." <laughs> okay, so I like LL Cool J and all them, but that verse by Jay Z. Uh, I was I, I like Big, but I was pro pop, so I made sure I didn't like Big too much. You know, so I was team pop. So, but Jay Z is the artist that made me say, "Yo, I got to f- the East Coast. I got to." And this it just opened up everything for me. And down south, probably Ghetto Boys. I think I told y'all before we performed them at a talent show in fifth grade, which is highly inappropriate, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Mind playing tricks. Yeah, mind playing tricks. tricks. Yeah, that is and it's highly inappropriate to perform. To feel like picture your picture Sky coming home for when she's in the fifth grade. Like we had a talent show today, <laughs> and they performed a song about shit. Co- cocaine or whatever the song is about. You it, mind it's playing? Like, it's like what's that movie where old girl gets on stage and she's like, oh. I don't f- with you. you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Ice Cube. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, Ghetto Boys opened it up uh, in the South for me. Uh, didn't make me like love hip hop like the Chronic did, but you know they're definitely like the first down South group I really paid attention to. I think I answered no, this question correctly for her. Let me know. Yeah. No no Miami bass music did it for you? Nah. I used to listen mm-hmm. to it a lot, but you know, I'm not a I'm not a dancing guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a teen jams in the middle of the floor in Umbro shorts, uh skating rink type routine dancing guy. <laughs> but you know, I appreciate I, I, them. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling judged. No, not at all. Not at all, brother. You know, but I, I never had any umbro shorts. But <laughs> you get, out, the, the Nike sweats, no, the, the Nike, the swoosh swoosh, Nike but sweats. That, that, that came later, brother. Hey, but listen, <laughs> I always appreciated their music bringing the women to the dance floor. So I had appreciation for Miami bass. So we got we got your we got your West Coast, we got your Midwest, East Coast, Dirty South, okay, and Miami bass. Did we miss anything, Rosie? Uh no, I think I think we're good. Okay. So my mine's is difficult, especially for the East Coast, because like you end up falling back in love with those those regions, right? So I definitely agree. Ain't number the G thing, hands down, brought me back to the to the West or brought me to the West. It was never yeah, there was no until then. Yeah. Um so yeah, definitely ain't number the G thing, took it west. Um but then Snoop like really cemented it with what's my name, yeah, right? Like yeah. you know, that was like, oh, all right, I'm all on it. Doggy style. So I get both of them kind of equal. Like yeah, doggy yeah, yeah. style, you know, hands but down. No, that's my so, favorite. No, album I get still it. Like there was, a, there was a time when the Westers was winning, but it was like, what was what was like their knockout song is like, we're here, we arrived. You're like, damn. Yeah. So yeah. to me, like, it's like yeah. NWG thing, what it did is it introduced, introduced me. And then I went back and listened to NWA after. Like I, right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really yeah, yeah, know yeah. NWA before then. So it was like, okay, that, that's where Dre came from. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would have never thought about that before then. Um down south for me, I, I wanna say maybe 
see, see, I, I, I th- always thought I was hood. So like those that Atlanta sound even before Outkast, I liked a lot of their songs. So I don't know how the hell I was listening to them at eight years old, nine years old. But you know that I had older cousins, I guess. So I, w- I was really kind of feeling them. So you know, like White Horse and all of that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. Yeah, it, it was what it was. So I, I, I really got into like rap then, but you know that was really early. And then East Coast came back, and I'd say East Coast wise, I do think Run DMC really kind of made it hit home with that Aerosmith song. So Walk This Way, man, you were like, this is cool as hell. Mm-hmm. And then you start listening to some of the other stuff and you're like, all right, yeah, I, I, I like rap. Um, and so it introduced me to a, the, the rest of like rap in general. Um, you know, and, and from there you got into Virginia and stuff like that, like Rex and Effects, like, uh, what is it, Rump Shaker? Mm-hmm. Like that, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is it right here. And so... I'll, I'll put that in there and then bringing it back down south. I know Outcast came out, but I think Ice Cream Man came out before Outcast came out. And so mm-hmm. kind of. Outcast, we, sure? yeah, Outcast, we were in middle school. Because I remember there's, I remember Southern, I mean, not Southern. Ice Cream Man came out while we were in middle school. No, high school. Um, Outcast came out. They were running neck and neck with uh, the song "Regulate." Their first single was running neck and neck with "Regulate." And that's what eighth grade. Master P okay. came out like ninth grade. I think Ice Cream Man the summer before tenth grade. ATLNs came out in ninety six. That's not their first album. Southern Player. Yeah, that's not their first Southern album. Southern you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Southern yeah. Player. So yeah. But when did? No, no. I'm gonna see. What's the they fact yeah, they right. fact checking me? <laughs> yeah, we are, we no, are. Because no, 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 no. Because the thing about it is, I'm with Rizy, so I was really doing my. It was Southern Playlist that came out in '94. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So when so, did Ice Cream Man drop though? That's the '96. Yeah, because because Body Body came out ninth grade. Mm-hmm. I, I I hate to say it though, I still for me. Ice Cream Man brought me back down south because I I liked Players Ball, but it was that wasn't like um we're taking over to me with uh, Players Ball. Ice Cream Man felt like the South taking back over to me, dope. and then AT Aliens dropped, and I was like, oh, Outcast is dope as I don't know what. And then I went back and listened to Southern Player Listic. Like I don't think I started at Southern Player Listic with Outcast. Hmm. So I think for me, so Ice Cream Man hit harder and brought me to the, where the South was taken over. And then AT Aliens brought me to Atlanta with the South. So when Dre so, said yeah, the South I, got something to say, you ain't believe him at the time, huh? <laughs> I, I was too young to even know. I, didn't, I, went, I, didn't, I wasn't watching the Source Awards. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't even know he said that. Like, what you, what you, what you say makes sense, though. Undeniably, Outkast is a better rap group than anybody out of No Limit. Um, but I personally have never seen an artist and record label take over a region like No Limit did. I don't as as great as Outkast is, I don't think they've ever like 
people would get, I don't, I don't, I don't know too many people that have outcast tattoos. There were people getting TRU tattoos. Mm-hmm. At high school, in high school with us. Yes, exactly. Class of 97. Yeah. I'm just calling yeah. it. So, I mean, just that, that time frame, Master P owned the South. Even though Outcast was much better, it's, it's kind of like, um, Outcast is like Tim Duncan. Like when you talk about, you know, great superstars, sometimes people forget about Tim Duncan. He quietly, <laughs> you know, averaged double doubles, won championships, all this great stuff like this. But everybody paid attention to Kobe and and uh, yep. some of the other superstars. Yeah, that, it, it's it's and I think like you talk about Eminem was just looked at rap and mm-hmm. not as a uh, Midwest. I, I didn't look at Outkast like that for real. Like they said it, but for real, Outkast was just rap to me. Um, and and I didn't even look at them as like a Southern rap thing. Um, and maybe it's because being from the South, like they didn't sound foreign to us, right? So it wasn't like a oh my god, where I like that accent. It was like they sound like all of us. By the time <laughs> they came out with Equimini, they were bigger than the South. Like, yeah, like um, it really AT Aliens, but they named the album AT Aliens. Remind you, they're from Atlanta. But once a, after AT Aliens and before Equimini, to me, they were bigger than the South. So for me, G thing. And I'm going to say the reason that my answers go this way is because you all made great arguments. But there were certain songs that you heard, like, you know, I was listening to uh, DJ Quick and stuff before all that stuff came out. Right. Mm. But DJ Quick was just, you know, just because that's what my dad listened to and it was just cool. But G-Thing made me want to be there. It made me want to be in that world. It made me want to be a West Coast rapper, made me want to be in there. Like, I wanted to be at that party. I wanted to be at those barbecues. I wanted that life. And that's what changed for me. Like, that thing just completely changed it. So I was debating... Okay, let's go East Coast. East Coast, Biggie did it for me. Biggie, I mean, I got to give it to him, you know. Uh, and I'm a Jay-Z fan and Nas fan. But Biggie, uh, he just... Ready to die know, was I hard. Ready to die yeah, was hard. Yeah, I just, it just, it just kind of made it this... He was just this... He was everything that you said the other East Coast rap wasn't. Right? He wasn't he was, this grimy. Right. He wasn't this gritty, grimy, flashy. yada yada. He kind of had that, like that, like damn, this dude kind of smooth, like you mm-hmm. know. He kind of reminded me of like how Dre and Snoop, like they, these were just some smooth. These are dudes I wanted to be like. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to. I couldn't wait to have that 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 Snoop party, that Dre party. I couldn't wait to be like Biggie was cool, big, you know, big, ugly as ever, but you know, but. He was cool. West Coast was bone. You mean Midwest? Midwest. Where's Midwest? Excuse me, Midwest. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I I'd like that. I'd like to adopt that as my answer for the Midwest. Yeah, but I was. But I just. Take a shrug, bone. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, I was. I'm did I even give a Midwest? You no. I didn't think said, I did. So yeah, 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 yeah bone, bro. That whole album, I remember um, having my little Walkman. Me and Melvin had our Walkman. We'll uh, skip church and go listen to uh, East East nineteen ninety nine Eternal. Walking to the candy laid in Orange Grove. Yeah, on tape, not even on CD. Yeah, <laughs> that was um, 
And then for the South, I mean, y'all had some good points. I'm still debating between Outcast and Master P, but I want to go Master P just because Southern Playalistic, all this stuff just seemed like they were just, they seemed like the average dude to me, right? They just seemed average as they were rapping about everyday. But Ice Cream Man was just like, man, this dude is cool. Like, I wanted to slay some ice cream, man. I want, like, I want, like, he just made, he made everything seem cool. Riding with Outcast seemed like it's something that, you know, would have been like riding down, riding around Mobile with one of my homeboys or, you know, riding with Slam or something like that. But Master P made it, made me want to be that. And then when he just kept coming out with more bangers and more hits and then brought on all of, you know, True, No Limit, like it was, dude. Yeah, that and, and let's, let's be honest. The production made no limit. It really yeah, but wasn't it, the, but it, the, the but rap. it changed the game. It like mm-hmm. it was like it it made you want to be part of. Like you said, there were dudes going around being you know want to be part of TRU. They had the TRU tattoos, you know, tatted across HS. You know, like he made it cool. Outcasts were just cool dudes. I feel like Outcasts would have been like me riding with Slim. And um, Buff in the stands around Mobile and niggas just start flowing. That was an outcast day to me in the beginning for, you know, everything else. But it was just it was just weird because I was listening to Elevators the other day and I'm like, man, this shit. I remember when this hit. Man, this was. This was different. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, is this is this where I really start really, really, really messing with the South? Then I'm like, nah, I started messing with Outcast before that. And then then I started like, but nah, P came out. So uh, but I think P, Master P, Ice Cream Man is a song that just kind of really got you into because that's I started buying, you know, I was buying those DVDs, not DVDs, uh CDs. Mm-hmm. You know? So they had yeah. me hooked. Yeah, I, I, again, I think, like you said. No Limit was the South at the time, and then it moved to Cash Money. I don't think Atlanta ever really owned the South label. Uh, Ooh, yeah, they nah, did. nah, they had a whole yeah, hell. Yeah. Atlanta owns With the Luda South now, and, and that group. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. I get that. Atlanta like, owns the Luda South now. And, yeah, they own the South. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that time period. That no, really, like, yeah, the, yeah, those yeah, 90s. Yeah. When, when we were first getting into like rap and everything else mm-hmm. like they they but, didn't own it until really late after outcast got big when they became uh, like bigger than the south and they started dropping other people now luda came behind them you had bone crusher then, and all that group then you had uh in the 2000s dungeon, you had well you can't sleep yeah, on dungeon talking, family dun, yeah dungeon family and then you talk about um thing um, crunk music don't forget tip Look, and then tip. So John, okay, all right, man. all right, all right. I back. I back off off of that. In yeah. the two thousands, the south two thousands and now, I guess um, the south was owned by Atlanta, but in the nineties it wasn't. Memphis is coming too, which makes the whole Young Dolph thing even worse. But lot, Yo Gotti, Black Youngster, mm-hmm. Young Dolph, like Memphis. Do you already got three six and Ball and G? Memphis is become a hotbed. Man. So can can Atlanta give New York a run for? Hip hop capital. Oh, I don't know if this is controversial, but the South won. That, that <laughs> argument, they finally, that's over. 
<laughs> the South, yeah, like like we just the, the South, South is the capital. We just we, the South. I, 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 I think New York is the mecca. Yeah, we we if we just enjoy like music from different regions, but overall, the South, South won. won. Yeah, that that might even be the title of the show: the South won the war. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's a fun, fun question. Fun question. All right. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's go ahead and close it on out, fellas. All right, man. Well, I'll um I'll go. And you guys know this is a Thanksgiving episode. I was gonna make this a question, but I think we just deferred to having it in the end of the show. Uh just kind of really talking about what we're thankful for and everything. Um and I've been really res- retrospective on everything. My dad's been really, really sick in and out of the hospital and everything like that. So I'm I'm really the biggest thing I'm thankful for is just having that time to be with him and and spend time with him and just having him here with me being able to uh you know kind of wrap my arms around him I, he came to the birthday party um or whatever and he, all he could do is just sit there and and be around uh but even with that man it was just like it was good for him to be there I was excited he was able to to come and and you know just give Ollie a big hug for his birthday and stuff so really thankful for that time that I have with him um and Ferg, I wanted to say thank you, man. I had to say thank you. Uh, you know, you introduced me to Jacelyn and everything. And so that's been a big deal. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I figured at this point, um, wasn't no hiding it. We're going down for all class this weekend. So, you know, she she's riding along with me. Uh, so at this point, man, just appreciate it. Uh, it's good to, to have somebody that I can, like, just talk to, laugh with, and that type of thing. Uh, be excited to be around again, that type of thing. So I appreciate you, bro, for the intro. Uh, no problem, bro. Mm-hmm. No problem. For, for two for two. Uh, <laughs> from what I know about Jason, I really, really like her for you, man. So I'm, I'm happy, happy for you guys. Um, the only thing I'll leave with, man, is uh, as Rosie said, Thanksgiving is coming up. Oh, hold on. Were you, were you asking us what we were thankful for, too? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, family. Seriously, like that's that's the go to answer. But they're the reason I, you know, they're the reason I get up mornings. I don't feel like getting up to go to work. Uh, they're the reason why I try to think. I, what was the question I asked? What you what would you do if someone grabs your lady or something like that? They're the reason I try to think before I react to certain situations, because, you know, I don't want to, you know, put myself in a situation that will take me away from them. So I'm extremely grateful for them, like. You know, having someone to come home to every day that loves you, uh, you know, losing my mom last year and my dad several years before that. Um, it really, really makes you appreciate those that you do still have and just try to enjoy yourselves as much as you possibly can. So I will always be thankful for them. Everything else is secondary uh, because they're the reason why I do most of what I do. I'm going to make mine very simple. Um, I used to always hear the old folks say, I'm thankful for my health and strength. That's what I'm thankful for. Being in the world that I'm in, seeing seeing the world over the last two years, and even with my new job, um, your health is so important. And I mean, I, I've come across so many friends and family members and coworkers who were just find one moment and they get that news that something's going on seriously wrong. Uh, perfect example. Um, I'll keep his name out of it, but one of my coworkers with my new company uh, tested positive for COVID. Well, 
uh, right after we got back from training in call it September, couldn't shake it. Couldn't shake it, was down for the longest. And he finally cleared COVID, um, got a negative test, but still felt down. So they could let him up on antibiotics and stuff. And he just kept going, but his, he, he just he couldn't shake it. So he did some blood work. This is maybe two weeks ago. So it'll be, say the first week of November. Uh, did some blood work. Thursday, he gets that blood work back. He has late stages leukemia, like aggressive, like out the blue. The dude is uh, engaged, has a between him and his fiance, five kids. His world revolves around his kids. And I mean, one moment you're this stud, you're just trying to figure out why you can't get back in out the blue. He found out Thursday night. uh, Basically, our doctors looked him over as far as his blood work and told him he needed to go to the hospital first thing in the morning. And so when he went to the hospital, they were expecting him to go ambulatory, like because his numbers were so crazy. The fact that he walked into the hospital, they were shocked. He should have had organ failure. He's going through it now. Like he started, he got there. He got diagnosed on Thursday, started chemo on Friday. I mean, and when I say it's just, and, you know, we've all been touched. We've seen it. It's just, I mean, cancer is one thing that scares the hell out of me. But I, I go back to say just my health and the days I have an opportunity I have to try to make a difference. Like you said, rising time. So as long as I have my health, I'm trying to make the most of my time to uh, make a difference. So with that being said, Buff, it's on you. Um, Thanksgiving, there's a candidate, was a politician that ran for president not long ago, uh, John Edwards. And he Mm -hmm. came out with uh, the whole two Americas thing. And a lot of people said, hey, it's one America. No such thing as two Americas. Well, listen, when it comes to Thanksgiving, it's two Americas because I have spoke to some coworkers. I, they shall remain nameless. Um, and I will let you guess the race, but, um, you know, I know a lot of people like zucchini and squash, but that will never be my favorite dish to look forward to for Thanksgiving. Cut, if that's your favorite dish. Cut Ugh. up. Cut up. <laughs> what else is that? My mom's making cut up zucchini and squash and I can't wait. Ugh. Word? Uh, tomato. What y'all do? Tomato pie. Um, I I never heard of it until a few days ago. Is that essentially ketchup pie? Like, no, what, no, 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 no. Sliced tomatoes in pie crust. Does it melt down to I, ketchup? I'm I'm just trying to make the best of the situation. Bro, I will I will send you the YouTube video on it. <laughs> I never heard of it. Miss me with that, okay? And listen. Whatever you eat, what you like is what you like. I'm not knocking. I'm just pointing out that there are two Americas. Go back to your country with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have, they have that segment in Colin, Colin in Black and White where uh, they, oh, the, they pumpkin pie. The, the pumpkin pie. He's like, oh, I love pumpkin pie. They like looked at him all weird like, this is sweet potato pie. <laughs> Bless your heart. Pumpkin pie gets so much slander. It's really not that. I mean, sweet potato is better. But yeah. I think most people that slander have never even had pumpkin pie. It's actually not that's bad. true. That's true. It's it's uh, not bad. It gets but so it's much slander, man. Pie. But it's not sweet potato pie. <laughs> but yeah, man. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. But just realize that there are two Americans, and I think you know Chappelle during the Chappelle show he did the whole uh, trading spouses segment mm-hmm. uh, skit. We need we need a we need a trading Thanksgiving segment where 
the white family prepares the meal and then the black family goes to eat and the white family goes to eat the black prepared food and just let the cameras roll well, at the comments. You can, you can still do that with your uh, co-workers. <laughs> you do some good I don't want to be the test subject. No. <laughs> Bro, I actually thought you were going to go with the uh, can versus uh, fresh uh, cranberry Oh, I made that. No, sauce. can. Yeah, yeah. what you say got the way. pre-cut lines in it? Yeah, it tells you what to cut and everything. But, that, that's, but that, that's that's part of those two Americas, bro. Yeah, that's what I thought like, you were gonna say. I thought that's America. You know, you were talking you know about. who likes those? Uh, oh, the, really? the yeah. homemade. I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah. So I'm gonna say this: Go, fam! You, we are nine and two. Our first year in the swag. So we had a good uh, first year in the swag. They are trying to make it to the FCS playoff FCS playoffs now, but. More importantly, and this is the only time I ever mentioned BCC, is we beat BCC. They had a nine-year winning streak against us, which is crazy. And, I mean, it looked it was one of those things where we could be winning, kicking their butt, and then somehow we found a way to lose every year that happened. So, I guess it's true. I put it in my Facebook post. Uh, Wildcats only have nine lives. So, great job, fam, you Rattlers. And go check out that video, dude. It's creepy. They did something with Barry McLeod, Bethune, Cookman, Jr. Um, on there. And it just was crazy, bro. So um, hopefully you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Rodzi, you're going to Mobile. Buff, you're staying up there. I'm hosting in Houston. You guys stay safe. Everybody eat your food. Make sure that people are cooking the right stuff. Because that was also that was going to be my question earlier is about like who – is there a who can cook Thanksgiving dinner? I feel like you have to be pre-qualified because um, I've seen this go go wrong so many times, but that's a whole nother discussion. So three brothers, no sense. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. Talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>